you're listening to Get Mouthy, the podcast from the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation. I'm Michelle Vickers. Join me as I chat with some of the most interesting people I know who are all linked in one way or another in the fight against head and neck cancers, either personally or professionally. So today's guest is Stephen Meadows, and he is more commonly known as the throat bloke on social media. And I think that um, anyone who's listening through this and going through treatment or knows a patient um, going through this treatment will find Stephen's story inspiring um, from what I've seen on his Instagram account, but also interesting. It's always good to hear from a patient with personal experiences. So thank you so much for coming on, Stephen. And we really, really appreciate, thanks for giving your time up for us. Yeah, no problem at all. Happy to help. So I'm going to just sort of crack on with the questions, really, because I know everyone's probably dying to know. But can you just take us right back to the start when you first were diagnosed? And how did you know? What was it that caused you to go and see someone in the first place? Well, I suppose it's I was going back probably three years now. And I'd had kind of like a, a croaky voice for oh, years, at least kind of like five years or something like that. Debs, my wife and my mother were always on at me to go see the doctor. And being a typical bloke, it's just like, no, I'm not really that bothered. And then in the end, I said, yeah, right, I'll go in. So they referred me straight away to see a consultant. I think that was the beginning of the January. I saw the consultant within literally a couple of weeks or so. And then they did the, the whole process of going for some scans, scan scans and MRI scans, and biopsy, all that kind of stuff. And then they said, yeah, you got you got throat cancer and you've got squamous cell on your right vocal cord. And so I suppose, yeah, literally within, within a matter of weeks, um, they'd, um, you know, discovered it after seeing a consultant. Mm. And then they booked me in for um, radiotherapy. So that was kind of like the uh, end of March or beginning of yeah. March at the time. And, and what was that? Can I ask you, when you... So you went from just being a guy with a croaky voice and then you, after nagging, you went in to see, you went to see somebody and how quickly did you realise it was as serious as it was? And what was that like? Like, what is that like when you were just sort of told and you realised, oh, wow, this is actually serious? Well, the thing is, I suppose, because I, um, you know, I smoked and drank. So they were two of the things that, can um, can cause um, obviously the smoking does anyway, and but I suppose from my perspective I'm kind of like a realist and you know shit happens really doesn't it yeah so, and you know the the speed of um, getting seen you know by the NHS was absolutely amazing fantastic and yeah I think I think probably because the area of the country kind of I live in. I, I haven't had any issues at all with um, That's fantastic. World Parks and then the Churchill for the surgery. Yeah. Um, um, but yes, yeah, so we had the radiotherapy, um, carried on working. I was a landscape gardener at the time. So worked every day, drove myself to the hospital. And you had loads of friends say, look, we'll drive you and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, mm. but I think I was probably quite lucky. Yeah. And so at what stage down the line did you have to go for the laryngectomy? What stage was that? Uh, so that was probably, um, so then kind of like the, 
have to have finished all the dream and everything. You've got to keep going back like yeah. every every month or every two months for, for it to be scoped. And then um, the kind of the pandemic kind of that, that came into effect. And, um, you know, I was, I was obviously carried on working and everything, but I had to chase to, uh, to get another scope because I hadn't heard from them. Mm. And um, so I had another scope and they said, right, you need to go and have another kind of biopsy. And, yeah, unfortunately, it had come back. And so I had to go back in. And so they said, basically, you're going to have to have a, a, you know, you have to have your voice box out, total, total laryngectomy. Wow. And, um, and it's kind of like, well, I said, well, can you not do like a partial one? And they said, well, you can, you can have them done because the cancer was only on the right vocal cord. Mm. And they said, well, you can have that done, but you, you couldn't, your voice can be quite poor. And there's lots of complications if you have a, a partial one. And I said, well, what happens if I, if I don't have it done? And my consultant said, well, you'll be dead in 12 months. Wow. So, so you kind of like think, well, I better get it done then. Yeah. 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 How so did you feel? How did that, what was that like when, because that's another whole other thing, isn't it? You know, um, having this. Was that a shock? I suppose, I suppose, yeah, but the thing is, if you don't get it done, you're going to die. Yeah. You know, you just, you know, you just accept it and then, yeah. well, I'm sure it'll be all right and just be positive about it, really. You know, because that was the thing I didn't really, um, I couldn't find that much out um, mm. about what it would be like. Yeah. Uh, the soul team, the speech and language team um, at the church, which is where I had the surgery, were, mm. um, they were brilliant, you know, explaining what to expect and all that. Fantastic. Um, what impact did that have on, like, your wife and everything? You were saying about your wife and your mum were... What, how did they react to that? I think Debs was probably more worried than I was. Yeah. I think that's the thing, you know, the, the other people around you are probably more upset than you are. But yeah. then again, I'm quite a positive person anyway. So, um, yeah, I think it probably affects them more because they yeah. didn't you know, you know what to expect either. Yeah. You know, because like, I had it done... In the um, in the August, I think it was, and uh, and towards the end of August, so this was last year. So yeah, I've had my I've had my one year anniversary already. <laughs> well, anniversary. So I had my, my one year, but yeah, I, I went in. Um, yeah, and so on the um, the Instagram thing, I I did a video explaining what was going to happen. Um, with my voice before I'd gone into the, the operation, which is quite interesting to see. Yeah. So, yeah, it went in. Um, yeah, and it's quite brutal what they do. I mean, yeah. some of the pictures you see, I mean, they're, yeah, because it's like an, about a nine-hour operation that you're wow. uh, in there for, because it is a very complex um, operation that they do. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, yeah, I mean, it's quite quite daunting when you first look at what they've done either following yeah. day. But they want you to get up and move in and all that right, yeah. straight away. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so then you you kind of like, it can take a while to recover, but I was, 
I was up and about, you know, really quickly. Yeah. I was just walking around the wards all the time. Um, yeah. You know, just because uh, I wanted to get stay fit. Um, yeah. So that you can get let out quicker. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, recover quicker. What sort of changes it had? So you said that you you about you, you said you had a croaky voice before. So has it changed your voice massively, or how has um, it changed your voice? I think probably my voice is probably better now than it was. Really? Wow. And the thing is, and this is the tricky thing, because, you know, I've I've, I've actually did a lecture um, up at the Churchill to for our group yeah. of registrars um, so that they can kind of like, you know, hear what I've been through. And, you know, they're, they're really intrigued about the whole, whole process. Yeah, you know, I've said to my my soul team that if any they want me to go on to the war to talk to people, I'm happy to yeah. do that. And this is where they gets a little bit tricky, I suppose, because I was very lucky in that when I had my radiotherapy, um, it didn't damage um, my uh, my esophagus that much. Right, a lot of people. Because it's very so, it was very localized, just on the right vocal cord. Yeah, and so there was not much damage in there. And my surgeon um, was very, very good, and it was very clean, precise kind of, um, you know, textbook kind of operation yeah. for her. And which means my voice quality is very good compared to yeah. a lot of people. Yes. But then they've got the issue of. Do they want to introduce me to loads of people? Because is yeah. that them false hope that they're yeah. really good? Yeah. Give them sort of expectations that it's going to be the same. And it's pretty kind of, it's quite interesting in terms of, um, you know, people's reactions to it. Because a lot of people say, oh, they can still, it still kind of sounds like me. Yeah. So the same kind of intonation and all that kind of stuff. And I'd ask, you know, my surgeon, how, how is this the case? And basically, it's your your mouth and your tongue that um, kind of create your accent and yeah. the way you sound. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. And how does, because of this, how does that, does that, is that a challenge to you? Like every day, is it a day-to-day challenge? Was it, how did you get used to it? Well, you just crack on, really. I mean, it's, yeah, they show you what to do, um, yeah. how to clean it all, and cause you just, basically you've got to um, you've got to convince the um, the salt team that you're fit to get out of the hospital, yeah. care of yourself, and yeah, yeah, you have a routine of of cleaning it every in the morning and the, during the day, etc. Yeah, um, but it doesn't stop you, doesn't really stop you doing anything, to be honest. But yeah. then again, I think I was I'm quite lucky with it. Yeah. A lot of people that, you know, I've kind of like talked to about it. They've um they've had a lot of problems with uh, with it. Um so yeah, I think I was very lucky in terms of the, you know, lack of damage and good surgeon and um yeah, I don't think everybody is a, is the same as me, really. No. But uh, it's interesting. You're you're so positive and so sort of you know like like you've just got to get on with it kind of thing is that one of the reasons that you you know what one of the reasons why you you started the throat bloke sort of series and 
I guess really what's your what's your goal for that what do you sort of see that being I haven't posted much for a while actually though I, I keep meaning to and um it's just really to kind of show show people if they're going to go through and have a, a total lounge activity what it entails you know yeah. that's why I took loads of loads of photos of it when I was in the hospital yeah and the whole process behind it and yeah that's why I so I still go to see um, my soul team when I need my valve changing and stuff like that. Yeah. So I had a new valve put in um, yesterday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the thing. So I'm so I'm on conference calls and stuff like that all the time. So yeah. I every every voice user and I'll kind of like wear out my valves quite quickly because people that Normally they kind of like last a year, and I've been going through. <laughs> I've been going through valves like you know every month. So um, as you have to go and have a change, but you can do self changing valves and things like that. But yeah, because I'm um, I'm pretty close to the the church or hospital, I can just nip up and they can do it. So it's yeah. easy for me to do that. Yeah, how's how's people's reaction to you? Like either people that you've known of old or new people what's their reaction because it's quite visible isn't it you know it's like a it's something that people can see it's not like no disrespect to anybody but it's not like if you had a cancerous lump somewhere else and you had it removed and someone might not see it you know I think they're quite intrigued um I suppose intrigued about you know how, how does it work because it's yeah. quite how it works you know so you've you basically have a new airwave um, kind of created so you don't breathe through your mouth or your nose at all. So it's literally through through the stone that they create and that is your your airwave. Yeah. And um, so the, the HME, the, uh, the thing you put in the stoma, that basically, when you press it, well, they've got hands-free ones as well that I use. And they're quite... Wow. Um, yeah. Hold on, I'll show you. So, wow, that's in- so interesting. And how does the hands-free work then? Is that like yeah. electronic? Exactly. Or? Yeah. I mean, hands-free is, um, it's got like a little valve in it that um, when you're, when you start to talk, close it. Yeah. And then that forces the air um, through the, um, the valve that you got in. Yeah. And then, yeah, you talk. So rather than pressing it with the, with the finger, yeah. a digital occlusion is when you're pressing it. Yeah. But I find that... Um, so just to tell listeners, while we're talking, because I'm watching, I'm watching, we can see each other. Stephen's just actually removed his sort of normal valve and then he really quickly and put the hands-free one in and now he's just switched it back again. So it's, it's, it's really quite amazing because I kind of... You know, I suppose years ago you used to see people when they ever, when they had the same sort of thing. You know, there was loads of stuff going on around their neck thing. It's so if amazing actually to see just how quick and easy it is for you. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. So you have like a base plate on that goes over um, the stoma, and then yeah. so the HME is basically it acts as your nose basically, so it filters yeah. the air. Um, Right. Okay. It goes into your lungs, so it acts as yeah, the same thing as your your nose nose does. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, that's why it's from a from a work perspective. Um, no, I'd I'd got, I'd worked in um, telecoms and IT for like twenty five years. Yeah. And, um, I was taking a break to do something, something totally different. So I was doing landscape gardening. Yeah. I was playing all that kind of stuff. And then once the winter hit um, this year, I kind of realised that, you know, it, it's quite hard if you're working outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. Keep everything clean. And the um, the moisture in the air has a big impact on like, uh-huh. how, they, how they stay on. Yeah. wasn't very comfy yeah so I I made the decision to go back into IT so I've gone back to doing the, the same roles that I was doing yeah. before so traveling loads internationally so on and off flights all the time that's amazing um, yeah so it makes no difference to my life at all so that's fantastic can I just one sort of because we're, we're coming to the end but just there's two things I want to pick up on one is just going back right at the beginning you said about being a typical guy that you hadn't you know done anything about it unfortunately that's that is the case majoritively you know um male cancers t- tend to be picked up a little bit later because they're the, the they don't people don't want you know guys don't tend to want to go to the doctor more so um it's probably a bit of an obvious question but what would you say you know for people who have got anything uh, going on in their in their throat on their mouth what the, what they should be doing yeah just go and see the gp straight away and yeah. they'll, they'll refer you straight away they that's the thing it's like you know i don't know whether i was lucky from the the area we live in in, in the country you know Berkshire hospitals um there's no weight in this but i think if they if they sus- suspect anything to do with cancer um you, you're seen really quickly now anyway yeah really yeah. quickly and if, what would you say to anyone who's going through or is maybe at the beginning of this journey, the same journey that you've been on? What Have you got any advice that you'd probably give to them? I suppose just try and stay as fit as possible um, mm. and you'll recover quicker. And, yeah, that, the, the thing is, it's like, and just don't try and overthink it. Um, and... Yeah, I suppose just be just be positive about stuff, really, because yeah. you know, your life will adapt. You know, so you know, for me, you know, I'm, you know, I'm talking, presenting all the time. Um, yeah. But again, I'll stress that I am. I think I am very lucky in that I didn't have much damage, and the surgeon mm. was very, very good. Um, and I've just adapted with it, really. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's not. It is a it is a big operation to have done, um, but the uh, the surgeons are always really good, and the speech and language um, therapy teams afterwards are there to support you and, and really help you. So yeah. Well, it's been absolutely amazing talking to you, Stephen. I've I've actually learned a lot, um, and um, it's it's your energy, your positivity about it all you sort of get up and get on with it is um really uh, inspiring so thank you so much for talking to us no doubt we will probably meet or see each other again sometime um and thank you ever so much for joining us no i really enjoyed it take care for information support and advice including how to check your own mouth look up hncf.org.uk or follow us on socials search hncf.org.uk